All right, well, hello and welcome to Ask a Web Pro. Today we have Beth Colick from the Dallas Search Engine Academy and, of course, an audience full of web professionals. Okay, Beth, so I'd like you to give us your background. Sure. And then we'll go through a series of questions on how you run your SEO business. Okay. Okay. That sounds great, Scott. Thank you so much for having me here tonight. So to put it in a nutshell, I really have, and, and you noticed from the invite, I really have two businesses. They're housed in the same location, but one of them is called the Dallas Search Engine Academy, and that is where I teach an SEO class. And I have scheduled public classes about once a month, and those classes are a week long. And those classes, the first two days, we have a beginner's basic SEO class that we teach. And they're all taught in a small classroom environment in person. I'm a big believer in in in-person teaching because I think that when people see someone in person and can ask questions, they get a lot more out of it. Then the last three days of the week are our advanced training. And if you stay for the whole week, that's the master training. And I'm part of the larger Search Engine Academy organization that's been around for over 10 years teaching SEO best practices. And so I'm very proud to be affiliated with that organization. And um, all of us as the instructors have over, I think it's over 150 years of experience. And we write that curriculum as a group so you get the best of the best as far as SEO experience and real world experience. Then I do private classes for advertising agencies, web developers take my class, job seekers take my class. I've had everyone from Verizon and T-Mobile all the way down to mom and pop businesses, you know, solo entrepreneurs and job seekers take the class. Um, So that's a real passion of mine is to teach people about SEO. And then the other side of my business is Colic Internet Consulting. And it is where, like what I like to call the doing side of my business, uh, where I work with small to medium-sized businesses on their challenges to make them more present in the in the search engines. And so that could be SEO, or it could be just something as simple as making sure their Google map listings look better, or they're, they've got lots of reviews online about their business. Or another specialty of mine is email marketing, and I'm affiliated with Constant Contact. And so I just help them make sure that they're marketing their business, what's most effective for them. So that's me okay. in a nutshell. Okay. How did you get started in the, the web world? Well, um, I started out being interested in marketing and technology from uh, for a very, very long time. I, back when I was at Texas A&M, they had the first Mac toasters in the library. And that was kind of like my, I saw that and I, I was really drawn to it. And then as my I have a degree in marketing that I kept seeing, you know, keeping up with all the technology and ended up doing in-house marketing for a computer distributor in the 90s and took a little hiatus to be home with my kids, which was great. But I stayed up with technology all of that time and continued to work. And then I started my own business in 2008 um, doing first like general internet marketing, but I quickly found that SEO was my passion. And so that's how I ended up taking more classes myself and then become affiliated with the Search Engine Academy. So it's it's been a, a really fun career and uh, I just wouldn't trade it for anything because I've met so many great people and I've gotten to work with so many great businesses. Yeah. So marketing is your background. Yes. And yes. so you didn't necessarily do web and then get into marketing. You did it the other way around. Yes, Were you doing absolutely. marketing first and then uh, was attracted to the web? Yeah, that's really, really true. And and 
I'm fairly technical, but I rely very highly, heavily on my technical friends to help me through through questions, as as you get proof from the other day when we had a conversation, Scott. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine they didn't teach SEO in uh, Texas A&M when you took in the eight, classes there, right? No, in fact, they yeah. just are barely <laughs> teaching it now in schools, um, although they do yeah, have sure. it now in most of the schools. They have some basic SEO teaching that they do, but a lot of people need some additional training after they get out of school. Yeah. Okay. So because you do, uh, SEO, right. Mm -hmm. You have that part of the company okay. and then you do marketing and then you even have like website clients through yes, Adobe business catalyst. Mm -hmm. So I think we should concentrate on one, right? So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and let's okay. concentrate on the SEO part. That sounds great. And I'll, I may throw in some other, other parts of it as well, just because they're all so integrated, but you bet we'll stick with the SEO as much as, can, as we can. Okay. Uh, so let's start right from the beginning. How do you okay. find your clients? Okay. So starting out when I first started my business, I made sure and did a lot of networking in my area and I am a, a Dallas native. I'm originally from Dallas. And so I took advantage of the relation, my existing relationships that I had, Scott, and I found places like business networking international BNI to be very, very helpful for me because they were a small, intimate group of people that I met with every week and they got to know me and trust me and I got to know and trust them. And so they called on me to help them with their websites and their online marketing. And then as it grew to their SEO, um, another thing that I really did is go to like, you know, even just being active in the community in any way, volunteering church, um, chambers of commerce, anything where I could get out in the community and help people as they got to know me, then they would trust me to do business. Now, of course I did cold calling at the beginning. Um, but now almost all of my, in fact, probably a hundred percent of my business is referral. So I did, what I did is I did a good job for people. I did went the extra mile. I answered the phone on a, you know, and answered questions on a regular basis. I didn't let questions sit in my inbox, I really tried to help people on a regular basis. And because of that, you can get a good reputation and then people want to refer business to you. So no more cold calling. No, it's, it's a humbling <laughs> experience. <laughs> I'm sure. So we, we've had a, a couple of people that I've interviewed in the past have talked mm -hmm. about chambers of, of commerce. Yes. Uh, how was that? Was that a, a good source of um, clients? You know, it has been. Um, I think the big thing is just to be regular and to not give up because you can't just go to the Chamber of Commerce for a month and then expect to, all this business to start rolling in. It's definitely, right. you know, you have to form relationships with people. And then as you form those relationships and they understand what you do, then suddenly, you know, you'll get an email or a phone call saying, hey, I have a friend that has a, a, a problem and that, that needs solving. And that's usually the best way is, this, you know, whatever whatever kind of marketing you do, don't give up on it. You really stick with it, especially if you feel comfortable with it, uh, because you'll find that it, it may take a little bit longer than you think. Like I, when I first started my business, I was like, oh, I'm going to have all this business. And it really took two years, Scott, two good solid years of working hard to start really building my business up and, and making the strides that I wanted to. So, so I encourage everybody just to stick with it because it's worth it. You know, I think that's a really good point. I hear all the time people who start networking when they lose their job or when they're having hard times and then they need work. Right. But it really does take, 
you know, you said two years. I mean, it takes a while to build all these relationships. Yes, it does. And so I, I call it insurance. <laughs> so even if you're, if you're fully employed or your, your business is doing pretty well, continuing to get out of the office and meet new people yes. and keep networking. It's like, and then if everything goes dry, you lose your job or you start losing clients or your golden goose or whatever, then now you <laughs> have that insurance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If, <laughs> if some, at some time it will happen mm-hmm. and then you can, you know, call upon your net, your network. And so I think that's a really good point to point out that it's not just go there once and then right. you have 10 clients. Right. It's over two, two years of hard or I don't know if it's hard work, but it's um, consistent, persistent. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you kind of have to have your game face on and you have to be up and everything. And sometimes it's hard to do that when you're first getting started. You know, at the very beginning, you're real excited, but you almost seem like, and that's one of the things too, you have to get comfortable in your skin and comfortable with what you're talking about. So the more confident that you are about what you know and what you can do for people, that shows through. And then people, when people see that in you, then you tend to attract more clients as well. Now, is it the same way with the BNI? That's more like um, calculated, right? Yeah. BNI, is, BNI and groups like it are usually where there's like 20, 25, 30 people in a group, but they're all, each member is exclusive. Like there's only one financial planner and one, you know, home inspector and one plumber and you know, they, some groups have more professionals than others, you know, one CPA and that one commercial real estate agent. And um, so you would be either like the one digital marketing person or the one internet marketer or the one web developer. And so that, that helps you be like the expert in your group and meeting with them every week on a consistent basis. It's just, it's another way to form relationships, but yeah, it's much more formal. Yeah. And do you get clients from when you do training? You do a lot of SEO training. Yes. You find the people at the end of it, they'll come to you and say, I, I would like your help. A hundred percent. So that was one of the tactics that I had when I started doing the training is there's so many people that just have questions and maybe they aren't ready to do business right now. But when they come to the class and we have a conversation, then it, it builds that trust. And then we've already talked about action items we need to do. And then they realize, well, gosh, this is a lot of work. Or maybe I don't have enough people at my company to achieve that. But it, so it, it actually attracts the right kind of people. It attracts the person that I, that I get along with. And that matters a whole lot. I don't want to take on somebody that our personalities clash or it's not a good fit or something like that. So, so yeah, yeah it definitely does. Okay. So once they actually contact you, mm-hmm. uh, what's the next step? Okay. So basically what I end up doing, and, and this is, this is the formula. This isn't always the way it turns out. But, but the plan is that you have a 20-minute introductory conversation with them. And I often call it a free consultation. And that way, with them, you, you, you establish some kind of rapport. You learn a little bit about them. You let them do most of the talking. I think that's another thing. Is it, It's not the time for you to toot your horn and tell all the wonderful things you've done. It's time for you to ask a lot of questions and listen to what they say, because you can under, figure out if it's a person that has the budget to work with you, and that I mean, that could be for any type of business. You can find out their personality, their challenges. Does what what they need is that what you do? You know, you're eager to take on business sometimes when it's not what you do. So, for instance, I'm an SEO, but I don't do link building for people. So if someone needs, has a big problem where they have a problem with their backlink profile, instead of me trying to do it, 
I will recommend them to other people that I know that are experts in that specifically. So that 20 minute conversation, you can, you can find out a lot about what they're, what they need, and then you can move on to the next step. And for, I don't know if that's in the same question that you were going to ask, but um, most of the time I do that on a, on a phone call, that 20 minute conversation. I have had one person who didn't realize it was a phone call and showed up at my office, <laughs> which was pretty funny. But, um, but I normally don't meet in person with someone unless it's a very warm referral or I'm working in partnership with like a PR or marketing company. And that's because you don't want to uh, spend too much time before you've qualified them. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. You don't, you don't, you've got so many things to accomplish in your day. And if you sit there and if you're in the car for an hour or 30 minutes going out and back um, to, you know, for me, it's going downtown, then that's, that's not a good use of my time. And a lot of times if I do have to meet with someone and they're kind of far away, I will ask to meet with them specifically so that the meeting wraps up before rush hour. Because if I have to meet with them in person, you just want to cut that time as much as you can. Okay. Now, do you have like an official like checklist or something? Or do you pretty much ask the questions and just let them talk and then write notes? How does that work? Well, um, a little of both. I guess the checklist is now in my head because I've been doing it for so long. But I ask them questions like, what web, you know, what website platform are you using? Um, have you ever done any kind of online marketing before? Um, what, you know, tell me about your ideal customer. You know, we talk about, it's, it's funny how we don't, we try, I try not to talk so much about SEO as I do just learning about how they're marketing their business in general, because if they're not very sophisticated about marketing, there's a different way that you approach them maybe than if they're really sophisticated about marketing. So the checklist is mainly in my head now, but it's okay. a good idea when you're starting out to have, have a list of questions that you're going to ask people. Okay. So once you get through that and you, you find mm -hmm. out that this is a good person to work with, how, how do you handle the quote? Okay. Well, you and I had an interesting conversation about this the other day. Yep. And it, so here, here is something that I learned from someone else. I'm not going to take credit for it, but it has really made a huge difference in my business. And that is if they are interested in moving forward, the first thing I tell them is we need to diagnose the patient. And so that means that I'm going to have to spend my time and my expertise taking a look at your web presence, not just your website, but also how you and your competitors appear online and what keywords you think you want to use and what keywords maybe you didn't realize would be good keywords, but just research in general. And so I call that either, you know, my discovery phase or my diagnose the patient or, you know, how, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's a, it's a document that I create for them that has a checklist of things that I look at with their web presence and suggestions that I give them about how they can improve it. So the deliverable is things that they could do on their own if they decide not to do business with me again. Here are some things that you can do. And then it includes a quote for additional work. And I use that as kind of a jumping and they pay me for that. And so depending on how detailed I think we need to go, it could be, you know, 500 to 1500 or even higher for that document. If it's just a kind of a cursory glance, I might be more like 500. If it's, um, if I need to dig a little deeper, I'm going to go up in price because it's all based on how much time I think it's going to take. Okay. So after you talk to them, you have a good idea of what they're going to need and then you'll just give mm -hmm. them a price or multiple prices. Do you have like different packages? 
Um, so basically, you know, after, at, when I do the diagnostic phase, then what I'll, then usually what I'll do from there is I will say, okay, here's the things, you know, the bigger things that we need to take care of for you. So here's the things that you can do. That's like the low hanging fruit that you can take care of yourself or, or you can hire me to do those too. And then here's the more advanced things that I need to think you specifically need to take care of. And I do have packages that involve email marketing, improving your online listings and uh, improving your um, reviews online. But maybe there's other things that people are going to need that I discover as I go through this diagnostic phase. And so I'll, usually it's not, it's different for every client, but then I also try and incorporate some of those like three core things that I offer for them. Okay. So even before you do the diagnostic, you must tell them how mm -hmm. much that's going to cost, right? Well, a basic diagnostic would be $500. But let's say that someone came to me and they said, I've completely disappeared off the Google, you know, search results. That's going to, I'm going to have to spend more time figuring out what caused that to happen. So then I might say, well, your diagnostic phase is going to be $1,500 because I'm going to have to spend more time digging to try and find the answer to the question of what's going on with your site. Yeah, that's great. So the idea of getting paid to do that before Absolutely. you even do the work. And, and if they and it don't use people. you, you still have a product to give to them. Exactly. So either way, you get paid for the um, diagnostic or mm -hmm. diagnosis, yes. I guess. <laughs> yes. And then, um, and then you could either get more work or they can take what you did and do whatever they want with it. That's correct. I mean, what, you know, if you work on a quote for hours and you've given them all your knowledge, then that's a product. I mean, you should get compensated for that. Right. All right. So we have a, a couple questions here. Okay. Uh, the first one I'm going to hold off on. Uh, the second one. Do you offer any guarantees or results for your SEO clients and how do you manage their expectations? That's a good that question. Is a that's a challenge. And so in SEO today is not where you just flip the SEO button and suddenly your rankings go higher. Everything is very, very integrated in online marketing right now. Um, in fact, I'm part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Search Engine Marketing Association and we were talking about speakers for next year and we were saying we need someone that's going to talk about how all these things are so integrated. So to go back to the guarantees, no, I absolutely positively never offer a guarantee. I almost hate the word SEO, Scott, if you really want to know, um, but it's the closest thing to what I, to what I specialize in. What I tell them is that we are going to do all the things that are above the board that are not trying to fool Google, that are going to increase your visibility on the search engines. We're going to measure the baseline. We're going to see what happens as we make these recommended changes and we'll modify our plan to make the good stuff work better for you. Like the things that are working, we'll do more of that. And the things that aren't working, we'll do less of those. We can't, we can't guarantee results because we can't control what Google's going to do. We can't control what your competition's going to do. And we are not going to put you in a position where we've done some trick that works right now for Google, but in, will end up damaging your site in the long run. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a way different message than a lot of SEO gurus, yes. right? They're usually gurus. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's that's why I almost hate the word SEO. You know, I like to talk about people's online presence and improving their online presence right. rather than to use the word SEO. But most people use that word. It's it's a dirty word sometimes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you answered this a little bit. Uh, how do you handle the diagnostic stage? Okay, so I have um, a 
a basically a form that I fill out for every client that is like a checklist of on-site SEO factors, off-site SEO factors. Then I do a keyword research and competitive research. And so I have those different sections and I do that um, for them. And that's what I usually present to them. We usually have an online meeting where I've emailed them the document and then we go over the document. And that seems to work really well for most people. And then it generates more questions and also uncovers some things that maybe they didn't talk about in our first conversation that end up being things that we can help them with. Okay. So let's say you do that. You go over it with them and you can help them and they want you to help them. What do you do next? Like, so if they want to hire you, what, what would the next steps be? Right. Right. Okay. So basically, you know, it's so customized to every client. It's, I came up with packages because I really felt like a lot of small and medium sized businesses can't afford what is traditionally called SEO by large SEO agencies, because that ends up being and trust me, it's worth it because the work that they do, you know, if you hire a large SEO agency that has a huge staff that's doing all kinds of work, it's worth $3,500 a month if you're in the right industry and it makes sense from a return on investment standpoint. But sometimes that's not the right, you know, solution for you because that's not even, you know, that's more money than you're going to make. So, so what I try and do is come up with individual small things that we can do that's going to help with their SEO things that the agency would do, but maybe on a little bit smaller scale, like their online reviews, which are huge right now, especially for locally based companies, like their, um, their listings, you know, how they're being listed online, improving their, their Google and their Yahoo and their Bing listings and their, you know, depending on what industry is, is in, they might be their house listing or their, you know, uh, an, an attorney, it might be something, you know, another listing that we take a look at. So, um, so it's really customized to each client what I end up proposing for them. And sometimes I do it on how much time I think it's going to take and, and off. But I am trying to move more and more towards packages because it's easier for business owners to, to grasp and understand what I'm doing for them. Okay. Now, another, oh, go ahead. I, the one other thing I was going to say is some people want reporting. So maybe they're doing a lot of the work in-house. And so they want just SEO reports and I can provide that for them as well. Okay. How, how does the reporting work? Well, I use um, a, a you know a software that it's available off the shelf. I don't mind mentioning it. It's called G Shift Labs, and that it pulls data from your social media and your um, analytics, and it also does ranking data as well as a lot of other bells and whistles. And we can put that we can customize those reports to each client and have them see the results so that they can see how they can adjust their activities based on what's working and what's not working. Now, is that like a PDF form? Um, Graphs and stuff? Well, yeah, it's like graphs, but you can save it as a PDF or you can actually save it as a Word document, but it's, it's pretty advanced software if you go out and and buy it off the market, but it's, um, it's really powerful information. And the big thing is, is that like if you're working with a large organization and a marketing manager, they want to have data to take back to their bosses and show that what they're doing is making a difference. And so that's where that's where I find that the reporting comes in more handy is when you're working with a, lar- a little bit larger organization that has a larger marketing department. Right, where they need something for the meeting, right? Exactly. <laughs> Perfect, yes. <laughs> 
Okay. So you, you basically email it over to yes. uh, whoever handles that and then they can mm-hmm. take that and they can use it internally. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you find yourself having to uh, like explain it each month or is it pretty much once you explain it, <laughs> you can just send it over to them? It depends on the level of sophistication of the client. Yeah. Um, I have clients that say, you send me this report and I don't understand it. And then I explain it to them usually, you know, in person or if they come to my office or go to meeting and then I'll send it a couple more months, same report. Then they'll say, we don't understand it. (laughs) You know, there's people like that, but that's also because they're distracted with the other parts of their business. So I'm happy to help them. And then there's other people that are a little bit more advanced marketers, and they might even ask me to tweak the report. Hey, our boss is asking for this kind of these kind of numbers. Can you provide that? And then we're happy to do that. And usually then we pull it from Google Analytics or something like that. Okay, so let's say uh, the initial project is over. Do you mm-hmm. offer any other add-ons besides the monthly reports? Absolutely. We try, what we try and do here at our office is we try to become indispensable to the clients. So we always are looking for little other marketing projects that they're doing, other opportunities to market themselves online. We educate them about how Google is changing all the time. And so we're always, you know, I'm always looking for ways to upsell, like the Google mobile, you know, requirements now, mobile get them. Um, yeah. I'm sure that a lot of the developers here have used that as a, a way to reach out to people and get more business. Well, I can use it on my side as well. Is your site mobile friendly? We need to take a look at that. But, um, you know, I usually have tried to start them out with like a six months in, month engagement, but I'm always looking for ways to keep that engagement going beyond the six months. So but once we've proved our value to them. Great. Do you ever say no to work? <laughs> All the time. Um, it's, it's sometimes it's hard because my personality is to help people <laughs> like that's really what I live for. You know, there's some people that are like driven by the bottom line and, and I, I like the bottom line just as much as anybody else does. But, but my, I feel like that my role as a trainer, which is why I'm so glad that's part of my business is to educate people on how to avoid working with the wrong people and how to get out of situations. And so sometimes I'll meet someone that I know isn't a perfect fit. And I have to remember that I have to say no. And I do say no. In fact, I have, certainly feel comfortable with firing clients now. It's not a fun job to do, but whatever it takes so that we're focusing on what it is that we do really well and not going outside that area. Someone may want us to to help them put together a brochure. And I'm like, well, that's that's not me. <laughs> I I know somebody that can help you do that, but that's not me. So it is, and if the personality of the person that you're working with seems maybe needy or difficult, you know, find, try and discover that as early on in the process as you can, because there's ways like maybe your quote's a little higher than normal. <laughs> you know, I've heard people say that they that they ha- have a PETA charge <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, to, to t- kind of weed out the people that you don't want to work with because it'll just make you miserable and drag you down. Yeah, Jane writes that she's glad she's not the only one. So you're not alone with that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah you hard, have to not- do that. You have to do it. Yeah. And I've also heard people say, you know, if you've ever been in uh, a, you know, if business has ever been slow, you know, even when things pick up, it's really hard to say no to work because you always remember right. that time when right. things were very, very slow. No, um, okay. Well, this is kind of a related question. How do you prevent sure. scope creep? 
Well, that is a, that's very tricky. And one of the things that I do, and I don't know if you've asked me this about contracts yet, but um, I'm going to slide in that information now is I use a program yeah. called bid sketch. Have you ever heard mm -hmm. of bid sketch? Love yeah. it. It is, it's, it really changed my life as far as creating proposals. It turned my creating every proposal into this big, gigantic, stressful thing to a lot less stressful. I'm not going to say it's, it's completely stress-free, but, um, but using bid sketch, I always have a clause in there that says, of course, we can change the scope of this at any time, but it will incur additional charges. And in, in addition to that, you know, if I, I'm adding on things, I make sure and say, oh, well, we'd be happy to do that for you, but you know it's going to take some extra time. And usually I tie it to how much time it's going to take and roll that into a conversation with someone so they understand. It's not that I don't want to help them. It's just that if it takes more time, I'm going to have to charge you more. Um, what was the other part I was going to say about that? Uh, oh, and then sometimes I'll actually add the charges to their invoice if I've got a pretty good relationship with them. And they might come back and say, well, why did you charge us more? And I go, do you remember the other day when <laughs> you asked me to make changes to 50 pages of your website and I happily did that? Well, we had to charge you some for that. But you have to have a pretty good relationship with the client to be able to add it after the fact. Yeah, at least it's out there, right? You right. make it clear. Exactly. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really known. Um, it's right. not something, because I know sometimes people put it in their contract, they don't really say anything and then they have to do a couple for free and then they right. finally have to have that uncomfortable conversation where they <laughs> say, well, it's actually in the contract, right. you know, and it's a little right. uncomfortable. So you, you're just it saying is. it's just a part of business. You just say it and everyone understands it. Yeah. I mean, you, ha you have to, you can't assume anything. One of my clients is a business man, you know, leadership, business processes type of guy. And he, it's been so much fun actually reading his blogs because it's taught me a lot about how communication really matters. You can't assume anything. You have to, to verbalize how it is that you, you know, feel about a certain situation because nobody's going to read your mind. You have to speak up and say, Hey, this is going to take some extra time. I'm happy to do it, but just know that this is outside of our original agreement. Yeah. So nice and clear. So everyone knows, right? All right. So before I ask a couple of the questions that have been asked, um, okay. I want to ask my one. Uh -oh. of, well, I shouldn't say my final question, but okay. one of the, the big ones. Mm -hmm. What do you wish you knew when you first started? Wow. Um, golly, I could probably spend an hour just talking about that. Um, well, <laughs> um, you only have I half an the, hour. Yeah. No. So basically, I, I was thinking about this. I think the big thing is, is that when I first started my business, I was kind of, un I was under the umbrella, or I, and actually kind of still am, under the umbrella of an organization who was helping me market my business. And I was doing a lot of cold calling. And I think in hindsight, I would not be doing that. Um, it was a very, very humbling experience. And I didn't get a lot of results out of it, except things that I just learned about myself. Um, so many times people try and teach you sales techniques. You know, you may say, oh, well, here's how you do a close. You know, you do this and then you do this. And, you know, that's not, that doesn't, you have to be yourself first and foremost. And then as you are yourself and have your own personality and become comfortable with what you're doing and selling, then those closing techniques, a few of them do make sense. Like my favorite one is just shut up, hand them the price, hand them the contract, and then don't say anything else. Let them be the next person to talk. Be because those, these are, and 
it works almost every time that people, that uncomfortable, awkward silence ends up putting them in a position where they say yes, or that you, a lot of times you can avoid that no just by doing, just by not saying anything after you're giving them the price. But, you know, work more on your personal relationships and go above and beyond for people. And when you do that, that's when you get the kind of clients that you really want to work with. Yeah, I've heard you mention that a couple times now, right? It was in the it's discovery huge. process. It's huge. And then it's just when you actually huge. give the price, mm-hmm. you just, you let them do the talking. Mm-hmm. Big t- and it, if, even if you aren't typically a good listener, you need to, you know, force yourself to be a good listener because... That is the, it, when you're, when you're in the process of listening, actively listening to people and looking them in the eye and identifying with what it is that they're going through, then they, they have more empathy towards you and feel, feel much more trustworthy towards you to, to give them your business. Yeah. I think what happens is people get nervous. So they just start talking, right? Yes. Yeah. So so that's sort of what you're saying. That happens a lot at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. So get comfortable with who you are and what you do and, um, and then work on that. Right. Yeah. All right. So we have a couple questions here. What are your recommended references, courses, websites, blogs for those of us who are building the SEO side of our businesses? That's a good one. Okay. Well, I'm going to, Mention Moz first, only because it it's a great place to start for anybody who is just getting started with learning about SEO. So that's moz.com. If you haven't heard of it, they do amazing marketing. They're out there everywhere. Um, of course, the Search Engine Academy is a great place <laughs> to learn about yes. SEO. I'm not going to lie, but uh, you know, uh, also there are just what I would do is it, you know I'm trying to think Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Land, Marketing Land. Copy Blogger, although they just renamed themselves Rainmaker Digital, I think today they actually renamed themselves. Um, and who else do I read a lot? Sometimes it's some of the older SEO people, like there's SEO by the Sea, is a kind of is a really good technical blog on SEO. Um, but if you pay attention to the different um, SEO conferences that are out there and look at, even if you're not attending them, look at who the speakers are. And, and those people who are speaking at the SEO conferences, look for them online and follow them online because so many times they give out really great golden nuggets of information on Twitter or on their own blogs or um, even on Facebook sometimes and, and also on LinkedIn. Um, you can find all kinds of information just by following those individuals. If you see their name pop up over and over again speaking at conferences, Follow them because they're going to be good people to stay, uh, to listen to, and they're going to be keeping up with all the latest changes. And there's changes at lightning speed when it comes to digital marketing. So you can't, you can't stay too informed. Okay. So Bill uh, asks, do you find differences in SEO for business catalyst sites versus sites on other platforms? Yes, definitely. And I, I have to say, not as many as you would think, which is a very, very good thing about Business Catalyst. One of the things that I like about Business Catalyst particularly is I have some sites that I've had on Business Catalyst since 2008, 2009, all the way till now, and they hold the test of time. They, they stay very, very stable. And I'm sure you've heard that before too, Scott. You know, the, the, the sites that are built on the platform 
they, of course they need care and feeding just like any website does, but they're very, very stable. And that's good from an SEO standpoint. I like that, you know, and you can get behind and you can get in the code and do whatever you like. Um, and, and those are things that I really like about Business Catalyst is you can get all the, the way down into the code if you want to do some more advanced things like schema or, or um, it, you know, it's got a way for you to do your 301 redirects. Um, but of course, if you're on a different platform, you kind of have, you, and I'm going to use WordPress as an example, you can get a little too heavy on the plugins. And that is a huge problem for SEO because people say, oh, there's a plugin that does this. There's a plugin that does this. And suddenly these plugins that have all been written by different programmers are competing with each other and can damage somebody's SEO. So you have to be really, really careful um, when you're using platforms like WordPress. And that's, so that's one of the reasons that I like BC for SEO is it, is it doesn't get too complicated. And that's very, very helpful because you don't want to make everything as clear as possible to Google when you are making a website and programming some of these special SEO technical things. Yeah. So those plugins are more for people who, um, maybe don't know how to get into the code or exactly are in the beginning. Yeah. So if you know exactly. what you're doing, it's better to be able to actually get your hands into the code. De always a hundred percent. I'm not going to say that I personally always do that. <laughs> I've planned <laughs> like, I like plugins like the next person, but you know, I I've seen yeah. some pretty scary websites that have, uh, we've basically had to strip down and just completely start from scratch because they were so code bloated. Okay. Uh, Megan asks, do you give your prices in person, over the phone, or in email? All of those. But typically what I like to do is send somebody a, when I'm sending them their prices, I'd like to do it in bid sketch just to be consistent. Um, so I will talk to them and when I'm in an in-person meeting with someone, especially if it's an initial meeting, I won't necessarily tell them too much about the pricing. I might say, well, my hourly charge for consulting is 200 an hour. But if you work with me on a larger project, of course, I'm not going to charge you $200 an hour. We'll come up with a solution for what your problem is and come up with a monthly retainer for that. But now that we've had our conversation, let me take the notes back to my office, think and look at what you particularly need for your situation, and I'll send you a more formal proposal. And then often what I'll say is, now, remember this proposal, I want you to ask questions. I want you to, to give me feedback on what I say that I'm going to be doing for you. So we're both on completely on the same page about things. Dave asks, uh, so are you using Business Catalyst for your own sites? What is your experience with Business Catalyst? So I've been using Business Catalyst since 2008, 2009. Um, my current websites, neither one of them are on Business Catalyst right now, but I have about, I'd say probably about a third of my clients are on Business Catalyst right now, and they're performing extremely well, and I'm in the Business Catalyst platform every day, every other day, doing something for a client, you know, whether it's a quick website update or posting their blog or those are the main things that I do there, but I've made web apps. In the past, we did a pretty web app intensive installation of Business Catalyst for a public works road project that was here in the Dallas area. Um, and that, that was a lot of fun because I got to learn a lot about how web apps work and how the logins work and 
So yeah, I have quite a bit of experience with business catalysts. Not as much as you, Scott, <laughs> but a lot. All right, uh, Tracy, to follow up for that is, do you do a lot of WordPress too? Yes, I do. I um, I have found in certain cases that WordPress works works well for certain of my clients. And then also, also what usually ends up happening is I inherit a WordPress site that someone has already created. Yeah. And sometimes it's a nightmare site, like the $600 site that was created in India where none of the WordPress functions even work. You can't even align pictures in WordPress because it was programmed so poorly. <laughs> As you can see, I mean, it's making me stressful just thinking about it. But sometimes I inherit very well-programmed WordPress sites. And so it just, every situation is different. Tracy asks, is there any free SEO training out there? Um, I know that Moz has a lot of mm -hmm. uh, free stuff. That's that's where I would else? if you look if you do not have a, a big budget, you, your best bet is to go to Moz and go through all of their material because they have everything from beginning to end. And and I'm trying to think of the website that you go to. I I, I believe it's called a Beginner's Guide to SEO, but I may be getting it mixed up with the Beginner's Guide to Link Building that they also have. But there is a step by step explanation of SEO on the Moz site and that is definitely the place to go and their their monthly subscription is also probably you get the most number of tools for the least amount of money so that's also a, a place that I why I recommend them a lot yeah I was at a conference and um, what, what's the guy's name the one with the funky hair from Moz Rand uh, Rand Fishkin yeah. yeah yeah he was like you know it's funny you don't think of SEO as you know it's um, as being something like a, so that there would be like a rock star, but that guy oh, was like a rock star at this conference. Totally. When he was, even when he like got off stage, it was like, you know, all the groupies mm -hmm. ran up and they were, as he was like yeah. walking around, there was like 30 people all around him. Like right. it, was, it was amazing. It's like, wow, this guy's an he, SEO rock star. He is going to be at the Dallas, at the DFW SEM state of search conference in November. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be at PubCon too. I'm going to go to PubCon in um, October and I'm, he's going to be yeah. there. I've heard him speak in person before. He's just, he he's came, he was a big influence on a lot of us because he w came up kind of at the same time as we all did. Um, a big group of us came, came through from the mid from the mid 2000s. So, you know, to, we're coming of age with SEO. And watching all the black hat bad things that people did to their sites just, I mean, I can't tell you how many business owners I've seen basically in tears from some of the horrible things that, that people, SEO people have done to their sites and they can't get it, they can't get their business back. Right. So, so yeah, he's a lot a, of bad a, mistakes. A, a lot. Okay. Next question. Um, do you like or use any of the other modules in Constant Contact besides email marketing, such as sure social events or surveys? I do. In fact, one basically my relationship with Constant Contact is I'm one of their authorized local experts, which is a step above, I guess. I don't want to knock anybody that's just a business partner, but I'm authorized to give presentations for them and um, have, and I'm a, like, probably a week or two away from being master certified with constant contact. And they have, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know about constant contact is they aren't just email marketing. 
So I'm really glad you brought that up. They have an events module that's fantastic. I've used that on clients all the time. Um, they have um, surveys, they have polls, and they have their social media is actually taking a step up. Like they're they're really they're moving more towards even more social media integration where you can like schedule posts a la Hootsuite. So um, it's a great package. I, I um, train people how to do it. I do it for them all the time. So it's, they're, they're a great company. They're a great company. That's one of my reasons that I like to work with them. So they're a fantastic company. All right. So we have to have a conversation about this, right? So there's okay. two schools of thought, right? There's one, peop- uh, one set of people that say, um, and a lot of business cows partners are like this. You know, I want to have one system that I use for everything. I want to learn that. I don't want to have to divide my time by learning up all these things. You seem like you actually know a lot about all these. You're dropping lots of names of different software platforms. Right. Um, so obviously yes. you, you believe more of the agnostic type of um, Oh, philosophy. 100%. I'm going to use whatever platform is the best platform for that solution. And I've heard people on the, the Business Catalyst side and the WordPress side say this. I say use the strengths of that platform. You don't always have to keep everything on one. Now, if you can make the email marketing part, if it works well for you in Business Catalyst, great. If you know it and you can make it sing, go for it because then that's that's going to work really well for you. But I find that it's better to say, okay, this company is really good at this. So rather than try and reinvent the wheel, why don't we take advantage of their expertise and use them and integrate them with what with whatever else we're doing. That's just that's just the way my brain works. And and I I know that not everybody agrees with that. For I mean, there's lots of different reasons. We want everything to be on one platform. We want it to be on the same URL. We want it to be there's so there's lots of and I get that, especially from an SEO standpoint. But but in the end of the day, I just want it to be where we give the client the best functioning solution possible. And if they can do everything on Business Catalyst, great. But for me, I like to use lots of different tools because I pick. I like to pick the people that are experts in that area. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, there are some people that do, they stick with one, right? They know everything mm-hmm. about this one thing and then they get a client come to them and then they try to take that square peg and put it in the round hole and try to try mm-hmm. to make it work. Mm-hmm. Where it's perfect, you either do that or you have to say no to the work, which is fine. I mean, I, I right. do that. I say no to tons of work, um, but that's right. just my that's the way I do business. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I definitely see the logic and just if someone comes to you with a problem and you just find the best solution for them. Right. And it's right. not necessarily the one that you know the best. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah, Joe says, I only work with the clients for whom BC is the right, right platform that I can focus on doing the best work for my clients. Right. So that's the, that's the two different sides. You pick one, you, mm-hmm. you master it, and then if someone comes to you and it doesn't fit, you say no to the work or you you know, you right. do find something. Right. So it's interesting to know. I know for a lot of people that, um, you know, like a, a one man or one woman show, you know, it does seem to make a lot of sense right. to pick one and go for it. If you have more than one person, you know, it, you know, then you have the resources to be able to, um, to, to learn more. Than exactly. One thing. And so just so you know about my team a little, I have a administrative assistant who does everything for me that I could ever want. And then I have a digital marketing specialist 
So it's me and two other people in the office, but I have a programmer that I work with and she feels totally comfortable in WordPress and BC, which is fantastic because I don't have to do, you know, get really down in the weeds with a lot of stuff. And then I have other partners that I work with and I tend to like to work locally um, just because I've, I kind of got burned with doing some work um, with, you know, less expensive people that were overseas and it just didn't fit with my, well, my lifestyle too, because I didn't really want to be working in the middle of the night talking to people. And I am the kind of person, if my client emails me a change, I like to make it as soon as I can. Although I'm actually, as a business owner, trying to get smart about saying, okay, it'll be in the next 24 to 48 hours, just because you can't do that with a large client base. Always be that super responsive. But that's one of the things I've built my business on is being super responsive. Yeah. You find if you do that, you kind of beat out other people that take their time. Well, yeah. And just, they like, they're like, wow, every time I send Beth something, it's just done right away. And, and I, and I kind of like having that reputation of just being very, very responsive because, because business owners appreciate it. Yeah. I see Tracy asked another question. How are you building your credibility to get more clients or projects? Here's one of the things that works really, really well for me personally is I partner really well with other marketing and PR and even web development people, depending on the project. So I am like the, the part of a bigger team that's brought in to work on a client. And that is a really, and so I've built my credibility with people, with agency people or others, other consultants that want to do larger projects and are building their own team. And they bring me in as their SEO expert. And, you know, for instance, I might work with a programmer who's getting ready to create a new site for a client, but do they know all the ins and outs of the best way to move a site from the old instance to the new instance? Do they thinking of all about all the 301 redirects and, you know, that's just like the beginning, but you know, all the, all the little technical things that have to happen. And so I can be like an extra person on the project. And because I have those relationships with several different companies, then I get pulled in on a, on a lot of really fun projects that I probably wouldn't, larger projects that I probably wouldn't have landed on my own. That's a big, that's a big thing I do, Tracy. I, I, Scott, I can't tell you how much you, I appreciate you inviting me to do this. This is really my passion. I, as I told someone, it's, you know, this is my favorite thing to talk about is, is work and how I can help people. And this was really fun to be here tonight. So I enjoyed I'm it I'm glad lot. you uh, agreed to do it. I think we uh, went through a lot. You bet. All right. Well, if anyone would like to learn more about Beth's company, uh, visit seotrainingdallas.com. And uh, Beth, again, thank you very much for joining us and sharing your, your process. You bet. More than happy to. Thanks a lot, Scott.